Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing this morning? Good, good. Excited to see you. I see some of you have come back from vacation, right? A lot of people took vacation because the holiday was in the middle of the week. Was that disruptive to anybody besides me? I'm not going to lie. I loved it, but it was rather disruptive in my schedule. I had a hard time knowing what day it was all through the week. And, and um, I mean, I, you know, enjoy, like I said, I enjoyed the time with family. But um, I want to tell you that Pastor Eric and his family have been on their vacation this past week, a much-deserved rest and break. And we are happy that they have made it safely back to Tallahassee. They will be joining us next Sunday. Pastor Eric will be teaching. He'll be kicking off a new series, which I'm going to tell you about in just a little bit. But this week, you get me. So there you go. Thank you. Thank you for that. I hope you feel that way after I've given this talk. Um, if you don't, just, yeah, I don't want to know. So, <laughs> um, like Megan said, <clears throat> excuse me, this is our last week of the series that we've been in called Under the Sun, where we've been taking a look at the book of Ecclesiastes, right? Um, and it, the reason that we have titled this series, if you haven't figured it out and if we haven't drilled it home enough to you, the reason that we've called it Under the Sun is that 29 times in the book of Ecclesiastes, that phrase is used, under the sun. There's some significance to that. There's some significance to things that we find in Scripture, right? We believe that, they, that these words are God-breathed. So when something's in here, it matters, right? So we took a look at... Um, We've been talking about how our life is under the sun. And anybody remember this prop, this lovely? Life is what? Life is vapor, right? So there, I had to do that. I had to do this for two reasons. One, this is one of the most talked about sermon props that we've had on this stage in a while. It's been an excellent sermon illustration. Um, and I've had to promise that if I was closing out the series that I would bring it back. So there, somebody please report back to Pastor Eric that I've done that. Um, also, it's important. I don't know why it's important for me to tell you this, but I feel like it is. I found out this week that this was such a significant prop that our creative team actually went and got a backup bottle. I don't know what that says about us as a creative team, but it's, it's true. There is a second bottle around here somewhere. Um, so yeah, we've been talking about how life under the sun is vapor, and everything is temporary, everything will fade, but then Pastor Eric also did a great job of introducing us to this word olam. Everybody remember that? When he talked about how that's essentially the opposite of vapor. That is everlasting time. It is future time. It is not bound by what's under the sun, the temporary thing of vapor. Um, Pastor Eric said this quote that during one of his messages in this series, it said, everlasting, eternal life doesn't start when we die, but when we finally wake up. I love that. Because as, as believers, we a lot of times focus our attention on what our, what our eternal life is going to be after we die. And Pastor Eric challenged us to focus on our life before death. Surely there's some significance to that, even in light of it being vapor, right? And even Pastor Mark last week talked about the significance of the dash, the dash that is on your headstone that is in between the date of your birth and the date of your death. And what is the significance of that dash? What does that represent? What does your life represent, your time here on earth? So that's a kind of the recap of where we've been in this series. If you've missed any of the weeks, I would encourage you to catch up. You can, you can download it or you can listen to it on our podcast. 
You can go to our Facebook page and watch any of the videos from the previous weeks, um, but you won't be lost if you've missed any of those weeks at this point. So where we're going to go right now, we've been kind of bouncing around this book, and that's been by design. Um, Pastor Eric has laid out the series that way. So we're not actually, we're going to touch on the end of the book at the end of the message, but in the meantime, I'd invite you guys, if you have your Bibles, to open up to Ecclesiastes 5, chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 7, and they will be on the screen as well, so I'd encourage you to follow along as I read these. As you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. It is evil to make mindless offerings to God. Don't make rash promises and don't be hasty in bringing matters before God. After all, God is in heaven and you are here on earth, so let your words be few. Too much activity gives you restless dreams. Too many words make you a fool. When you make a promise to God, don't delay in following through, for God takes no pleasure in fools. Keep all the promises you make to him. It is better to say nothing than to make a promise and not keep it. Don't let your mouth make you sin. Amen? Hmm. And don't defend yourself by telling the temple messenger that the promise you made was a mistake. That would make God angry, and he might wipe out everything you achieved. There's no pressure in that statement. Talk is cheap, like daydreams and other useless activities. Fear God instead. So what we're going to do this morning is spend most of our time in this this chapter, in these verses. And I want to point out to you that in this translation, this is the New Living Translation that I just read uh, read to you from. It says, as you enter the house of God, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. The NIV says it this way, guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Now, The reason that I think that's significant is we know that the author of this book is King Solomon. King Solomon was said to be the wisest man that ever lived, right? So he he was incredibly smart. This is considered wisdom here throughout this book. He also was a scientist and an architect. And when he's talking, this temple that he's talking about, he and 153,000 men over seven years built this temple that he's talking about. Now, even back in the day when it was stone by stone and, you know, just little pieces at a time that they were able to uh, build this, we would expect a slow, a slow pace, but still it took an incredible amount of time because this temple was, the, was sacred. This was significant and special, and Solomon is telling us that when we approach this space, we should treat it that way. There were very detailed specifications because it's a very spe- very special, like I said, and sacred place. So when he's telling us how we should approach it, that's part of the reason why. So in light of that, my question, one of my questions to you this morning is, how do you approach God? Do you approach God with your ears open and your mouth shut, like it says in the scripture? Is that hard for anybody besides me? Oh, nobody's going to, okay, thank you. I was going to say, nobody's going to raise their hand, seriously. It's just me. I was thinking about this when I was reading these verses again this week. I wear this Fitbit, if you can see it, my lovely Fitbit. I got this as a birthday present last year from my family. And the primary use that I use it for is it tracks my steps during the day. Does anybody else do that? 
I get to the end of the day and I get to determine whether I won that day or not. Did I, did I get the steps, the number of steps that I had wanted to get for that day? No, it's just me that does that. Um, <laughs> so I was thinking about this scripture. Thank you. I see you back there. Um, I was thinking about the scripture and thinking, well, how cool would it be if I had a word bit that counted my words during the day? Because I hear some laughter, and it's because these people know me, and they're like, oh, it could never keep up. I am a talker. I am a, I am a serious talker. And then I started thinking, well, if I had that device, how would I measure success at the end of the day? Did I win or not? Because I realized that I might define that differently than, say, my husband would. It's possible. It's possible. Um, but... But here Solomon is saying, keep your ears open and your mouth shut. Has anybody heard this saying, you have two ears and only one mouth because you're supposed to do twice as much listening than speaking? Yeah, I've heard that many times too. I just don't remember it at the appropriate times sometimes. I'm not, yeah, that's just, it's just a challenge, y'all. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I'm a talker. <laughs> Solomon is saying here, approach God ready to listen and expecting to listen. That should be how we approach him, ready to receive from him. I read this quote this week that I loved, was not able to find out who, who said it, so I'm guessing that it was probably the teacher that I was reading some of his material. Um, the heaviest rain runs off parched ground unless it has been first softened by a gentle fall of moisture. I love that quote because I thought it was a great illustration and something that would really resonate with everybody that lives here in Tallahassee or Leon County, because we're in this season where every day we get a torrential downpour of rain, right? Even yesterday, of magnificent, magnificent thunderstorms and lightning storms, but lots and lots of rain dropped in a very short amount of time, right? But if you can remember back a few months, like winter, early spring, Tallahassee was actually experiencing a drought. So when we got that first rain of this new season, what happened? All the water flooded. All of the water laid on top of the ground. So no matter how much the ground desperately needed that water, it couldn't get in because it was dry and parched. I want you to think about that in terms of your relationship with God. No matter how much you are flooding yourself with good things, if you have not properly prepared before you experience things like musical worship or teaching or books or conversations with people, it's going to have a hard time seeping in, right? No matter how much it's needed, it's likely going to lay on the surface. So what does that look like for you and me? How are we approaching God with that in mind? Are you maybe approaching God with your Santa list of wishes and wants? I've been guilty of doing that. I know some of you probably have too. Are you, here's a good one, are you going to God, approaching him, but dictating the response that you want him to have? You're saying, I have this thing, God, I want you, you know, I'm bringing it to you, but oh, here's the way that I want you to take care of it. Here's how I want you to handle it. Here's how I want you to respond to me. I know some of you have done that. We've had conversations. Maybe some of you just go through the motions and say what you think are the right things, what sounds 
like maybe this is what God wants me to say, and so I'm, I'm just going to say this thing. What challenge you to think about, are you approaching him really ready to listen? Are you, a, are you setting aside your agenda for the sake of his? Are you letting your words be few? I have a hard time with that. It requires patience and quiet, which we've already established that I struggle with. Silence, less speaking, more listening. Solomon goes on to say here that when you do speak, your words matter. The promises that you make matter. The things that you covenant matter. So mean what you say and say what you mean. Are you living into your words and out of your faith? I read that this week. I thought, that's strong. Am I living into my words, meaning what I say, but out of my faith, meaning am I allowing God to direct the things that I say and the things that I do? Are you really trusting God? Because if you're not careful with your words, Solomon goes on to say that essentially it's a sacrifice of fools. A sacrifice of fools could look like over-promising and under-delivering, not fulfilling commitments. Maybe you've signed up to volunteer at the, at the surf pantry on, this, on two weekends a month, and the day comes and you decide it's finally not raining and I'm going to go to the beach instead, and they won't miss me. It won't matter. That's an example of over-promising and under-delivering. When you made the promise, you had really great intentions, Right? But when the day came, you just didn't fulfill the commitment. But I know that a hard thing for a lot of people, myself included, is that we tend to under-promise. Now, Solomon speaks to that about it's better to say nothing than to not fulfill the promise, but we get stuck in that, and we use that as a pass to not do things that, and not promise things that we should do, Right? Maybe there's lots of reasons why we might under-promise. It might be because we're hurt. It might be um, that we're, our hurt is making us angry. I've met with a few people recently that have, said, that have been able to say, I'm angry at God, and I'm going to say to you the same thing that I said to them. That's okay. God is okay with you being angry with him. Maybe... Maybe you don't want to approach God because you're afraid of what he might say. You have, you have this feeling that maybe he's going to say something that you don't really want to hear because it's going to cause you to do something that you really don't want to do. We're going to talk more about that in a minute. But know that God understands all of those places that you are. In Matthew 5, God's, it says this, Jesus says this, God blesses those who mourn. He understands the hurt. God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, even if they're not seeing it right now. God blesses those whose hearts are pure. Those whose hearts are pure. That's what he's asking for here. Mean what you say and say what you mean. Bring all of yourself to him, a pure heart, willing to listen. Otherwise, it's a sacrifice of fools. Solomon talks a lot about how we approach this temple. 
And one of the things that I want you to remember, a couple things I want you to remember from the place that Solomon is writing. First, I want you to remember that this temple that he's writing about is where the presence of God was at this time. But God doesn't live there anymore. God is not confined to the temple anymore. In in this time of this writing, Solomon is talking about um, that you could come to the temple. You could come into the temple. But only the high priest could go into the holiest of holies to encounter God. Only the high priest, and only one time a year could he make that journey. And that was for the atonement for the whole nation. God sent Jesus to do that for us forever. So that this isn't the, this isn't the reality that we live in anymore. I want you to flip over to Hebrews chapter 4 with me. I'm going to read verses 14 through 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Scripture goes on to say in many places that Jesus now sits at the right hand of God pleading for us and interceding on our behalf. This scripture reminds us that we have access to God now because of the work that Jesus did, and we are to come boldly to the throne. So how we approach God matters. He, he He does want us to approach. Back in Ecclesiastes 5, 2, Solomon says, after all, God is in heaven and you are not. I want to point out to you that that is a statement of perspective, not distance. It's true that we live under the sun and God does not. But God sent Jesus to bridge that gap for us. And so that distance no longer exists. We have we have unfettered access to the creator of the universe now. I want to read another passage in 1 Corinthians um, chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price. That high price was Jesus. So if we've established that the temple that Solomon is talking about, forgive me if I didn't say this before, but the temple is where heaven meets earth. And we now are the temple of the Holy Spirit. How does that influence the way that you approach God? We have full and constant access through Jesus' work on the cross and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Boldly come to the throne. Full access with our ears open and our mouths shut, prepared to listen. I want to talk a little bit about listening. There's this thing called active listening. Has anybody heard of that? 
Active listening requires some kind of response from you, from someone. God calls us to active listening. Now, our responses can look different for different seasons. Sometimes we go to God and we're asking, we're pleading, we're approaching him, we're, we're submitting ourselves to him, and his answer is wait. And make no mistake that wait is an answer that God can give to you. That's hard for some people to hear. It's hard for some people to understand. But wait is an answer. What God is doing in that time is he's developing trust between you and him. And he's, he's waiting for the perfect time, for the perfect thing for you and for me. Maybe in that trust relationship, he's saying, Lori, I've already placed this thing in front of you. Reach out and grab it. Trust me and reach out and grab it. Another way that we might respond or that he might be calling us to respond is to surrender. This has proven to be one of the hardest ones for me, probably for a lot of you too, because it means letting go of a thing that you're clinging to because maybe you trust it a little more than you actually trust God. Has anybody else ever been there? There was a time in my life, I'm going to tell you a story, where this was very true for me. I moved to Tallahassee in my late teens, and I moved up here with no family. And not long after I got here, I started working for Lillian County School System. It was a fabulous place to work, and I established some amazing relationships there. It was like family. I felt like I was at home. It was familiar. I had spent a lot of time there. I knew my job really well. I had great connections throughout the, the entire school board community. But I was praying at that time for God to use me in a significant way. Now, I had no idea that what he was going to say is, okay, I want you to let go of this thing, this place that has, that has made you trust it and its security and its stability more than you trust me. And I was like, whoa, that is not what we were talking about. That's not at all what I had intended. I started dictating to him, just like we talked about, the ways that I wanted him to respond. Help me lead worship better. Teach me some new songs. Give me some new skills. No, no. No, 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 no. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to step to the ledge, and I want you to put your foot out. And then I want, to put, I want you to put your full weight on that foot, trusting that at the perfect time, I will place the stepping stone under your foot. At the perfect time, not a second before. And, mind you, only one step. He did not lay out this this beautiful path of stepping stones for me to be able to, to say, oh, I'm going to do this and then this and then this, and then in 2017, I'm going to be a pastor at this church that I love with all of my heart, and you know, I'm going to be teaching and I'm going to be leading worship and I'm going to be leading people. No, no. That's not the picture that he gave to me. He said, I'm calling you to let go of this and take this one step. Do you trust me? Are you willing to surrender this to me? I have to say that, <clears throat> in full disclosure, wasn't willing originally. 
God didn't let go of me. And he kept working on me until I was so uncomfortable in this place that had given me so much comfort that I couldn't breathe. And finally, finally, I surrendered. And I said, okay, God, I don't know where you're going to take me. I don't know what this means for me or for my family. It's going to be new and it's going to be different than anything I know and I ever have known, but I'll go. I'll go. And that's when he placed the stone in front of me and said, this is the place. This is where I want you to go. So when you approach God, you should expect to hear from him. That's the posture you should be in when you approach God, knowing that he wants that as much as you do. So go to him boldly. How are you approaching God in light of vapor? Do you believe that line from the song that says, vapor finds ground in you? This life can only matter because of God. We know it's fleeting. Everything under the sun is temporary. That's not mean, that does not mean meaningless. Are you active listening? Are you experiencing or is there evidence of transformation in your life? Are you in a growth group? Are you serving? Are you trusting God with your finances? Are you growing in a mentoring relationship? Are you in a position where you are being challenged by other believers? Are you experiencing authentic worship? Is you, are you living a life of worship? I'm not talking about here on Sunday mornings. I'm talking about is your whole life an expression of worship of God? Are you meaning what you say and saying what you mean? And are you approaching God with your ears open and your mouth shut, expecting to hear from him? We're going to conclude this series by jumping to the back of Ecclesiastes. I'm going to just read this verse from, from chapter 12, verse 13. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. Fear God, respect and honor him. Why do we obey God? Because vapor. Jess. Because everything under the sun is vapor, and it has no meaning except for olam. God has given us the gift of eternal time, everlasting time. And that, my friends, starts now. It starts with the way you live your life now. Everything under the sun is temporary, but make no mistake about it. That does not mean it's meaningless. Amen? Amen. Amen. 